Some of you have been homeless. Some of you have risked the rejection of your families to pursue your education. Many of you have lain awake at night wondering how on earth you were gonna support your parents and your kids and still pay tuition. And many of you know what it's like to live not just month to month or day to day, but meal to meal. But graduates, let me tell you, you should never ever be embarrassed by those struggles. You should never view your challenges as a disadvantage. Instead, it's important for you to understand that your experience facing and overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. And I know that because I've seen it myself, not just as a student working my way through school, but years later before I came to the White House and I worked as a dean at a college. In that role, I encountered students who had every advantage. Their parents paid their full tuition. They lived in beautiful campus dorms. They had every material possession a college kid could want, cars, computers, spending money. But when some of them got their first bad grade, they just fell apart. <laughs> they lost it because they were ill-equipped to handle their first encounter with disappointment or falling short. But graduates, as you all know, <laughs> life will put many obstacles in your path that are far worse than a bad grade. You'll have unreasonable bosses and difficult clients and patients. You'll experience illnesses and losses, crises and setbacks that will come out of nowhere and knock you off your feet. But unlike so many other young people, you have already developed the resilience and the maturity that you need to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep moving through the pain, keep moving forward. I've always felt a deep sense of obligation to make the biggest impact possible with this incredible platform. So I took on issues that were personal to me. Issues like helping families raise healthier kids, honoring the incredible military families that I've met out on the campaign trail, inspiring our young people to value their education and finish college. Now, some folks criticize my choices for not being bold enough but these were my choices, my issues, and I decided to tackle them in a way that felt most authentic to me, in a way that was both substantive and strategic, but also fun and hopefully inspiring. So I immersed myself in the policy details. I worked with Congress on legislation, gave speeches to CEOs, military generals, Hollywood executives, but I also worked to ensure that my efforts would resonate with kids and families. And that meant doing things in a creative and unconventional way. So yeah, I planted a garden and hula hooped on the White House lawn with kids. I did some mom dancing on TV. I celebrated military kids with Kermit the Frog. I asked folks across the country to wear their alma mater's t-shirts for college signing day. And at the end of the day, by staying true to the me I've always known, I found that this journey has been incredibly freeing. You see, Barack and I were both raised by families who didn't have much in the way of money or material possessions, but who had given us something far more valuable. Their unconditional love, their unflinching sacrifice, and the chance to go places they had never imagined for themselves. My father was a pump operator at the city water plant and he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when my brother and I were young. And even as a kid, I, I knew there were plenty of days when he was in pain. And I knew there were plenty of mornings when 
It was a struggle for him to simply get out of bed. But every morning, I watched my father wake up with a smile, now, grab his walker, prop himself up against the bathroom sink and slowly shave and button his uniform. And when he returned home after a long day's work, my brother and I would, would stand at the top of the stairs of our little apartment, patiently waiting to greet him, watching as he reached down to lift one leg and then the other to slowly climb his way into our arms. But despite these challenges, my dad hardly ever missed a day of work. He and my mom were determined to give me and my brother the kind of education they could only dream of. What has been the best advice you received from your teacher or professor? Oh, I've gotten a lot of great advice from teachers, mentors, professors throughout the years. So first of all, you gotta be uh, open to taking some risks and not being afraid to fail. Failure is the key to success. So when you get to college, you got to raise your hand. You have to be engaged. Don't be the kid thinking, oh, I shouldn't be here. And maybe I'm not smart enough. And maybe, you know, no, you are more than capable of going to college, being successful and going on doing whatever you want in life. I sit here because I am you all. There is no difference between me and you working class kid, growing up on the south side of Chicago, growing up with doubts and fears, just like all of you all do. I know exactly how you all are feeling and kids out there who are thinking, maybe I'm not ready, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I can't afford it. But what teachers and mentors have told me is that yes, you can and you must. So get in there and be bold with your intelligence. Raise your hand, get support when you need it. Uh, and know that we all got here because somebody helped us. I want you all to stay true to the most real, most sincere, most authentic parts of yourselves. I want you to ask those basic questions. Who do you want to be? What inspires you? How do you want to give back? And then I want you to take a deep breath and trust yourselves to chart your own course and make your mark on the world. Maybe it feels like you're supposed to go to law school, but what you really wanna do is teach little kids. Maybe your parents are expecting you to come back home after you graduate, but you're feeling a pull to travel the world. I, I want you to listen to those thoughts. I want you to act with both your mind, but also your heart. And no matter what path you choose, I want you to make sure it's you choosing it and not someone else. We learned about dignity and decency, that how hard you work matters more than how much you make, that helping others means more than just getting ahead yourself. We, we learned about honesty and integrity, that the truth matters, that, that you don't take shortcuts or play by your own set of rules. fair and square. Do you feel like, and I'm sure you did feel, pressure to be the first African-American first lady to, like there's some kind of responsibility or? Well, one of the things I know from sitting in this position that every first lady feels some level of pressure. I mean, this is a big platform and you don't want to mess it up. Uh, so I wouldn't dare to uh, compare my experience to any former first lady, but I do take the role seriously. I do, as I said in my convention speech, I know that kids are watching us. 
They're watching what we say, what we do, and Barack and I have tried to make sure that what kids are seeing or something is something that they can be proud of because it, it matters. We are playing a long game here, and that change is hard. And change is slow and it never happens all at once, but eventually we get there. We always do. We, we, we get there because of folks like my dad, folks like Barack's grandmother, men and women who, who said to themselves, I may not have a chance to fulfill my dreams, but maybe my children will. Maybe my grandchildren will. See, see so many of us, stand here tonight because of their sacrifice and longing and steadfast love because time and again they swallowed their fears and doubts and did what was hard let me tell you you should feel so proud of making it to this day and i hope that you're excited to get started on that next chapter but i also imagine that you might think about all that history all those heroes who came before you, and you might also feel a little pressure, you know? Pressure to live up to the legacy of those who came before you. Pressure to meet the expectations of others. And believe me, I understand that kind of pressure. <laughs> I've experienced a little bit of it myself. You see, graduates, I didn't start out as the fully firm, formed first lady who stands before you today. No, no, I had my share of bumps along the way. Back when my husband first started campaigning for president, folks had all sorts of questions of me. What kind of first lady would I be? What kinds of issues would I take on? Would I be more like Laura Bush or Hillary Clinton or Nancy Reagan? And the truth is those same questions would have been posed to any candidate's spouse. That's just the way the process works. But as potentially the first African-American first lady, I was also the focus of another set of questions and speculations, conversations sometimes rooted in the fears and misperceptions of others. Was I too loud or too angry or too emasculating? Or was I too soft, too much of a mom? not enough of a career woman. Then there was the first time I was on a magazine cover. It was a cartoon drawing of me with a huge afro and a machine gun. Now, yeah, it was satire, but if I'm really being honest, that knocked me back a bit. It made me wonder, well, just how are people seeing me? Or you might remember the onstage celebratory fist bump between me and my husband after a primary win that was referred to as a terrorist fist jab. And over the years, folks have used plenty of interesting words to describe me. One said I exhibited a little bit of uppityism. Another noted that I was one of my husband's cronies of color. Cable news charmingly referred to me as Obama's baby mama. And of course, Barack has endured his fair share of insults and slights. Even today, there are still folks questioning his citizenship. And all of this used to really get to me. Back in those days, I had a lot of sleepless nights worrying about what people thought of me. 
wondering if I might be hurting my husband's chances of winning his election, fearing how my girls would feel if they found out what some people were saying about their mom. But eventually, I realized that if I wanted to keep my sanity and not let others define me, there was only one thing I could do, and that was to have faith in God's plan for me. To ignore all of the noise and be true to myself, and the rest would work itself out. Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life. So don't waste them.